Listenable Voices, the podcast that explores the topics dearest to our hearts. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the discussion. Welcome to Nibble Voices, proudly brought to you by Nibble.ai. My name is Gabrielle Khalid, and I'm so excited to be here at the Jitex Global as we record live from the Nibble stand. On this podcast series, we chat to industry-leading nibblers, other experts about artificial intelligence and its impact on areas like democratization of AI, education, leadership, culture, sustainability, and so many other topics. On today's episode, I am joined by two very special guests. We are going to discuss partnership among government agencies for supporting the humanitarian community. Without further ado, please let me introduce to you our first guest, Giuseppe Saba, who is the CEO at International Humanitarian City. Hello, Giuseppe. Hi, thank you so much. Thank for you for being here. How are you? Very good. good. It's my pleasure to be here today, honestly, with uh, more than, let me say, friends. Good, Absolutely. good. We like that. So that takes me nicely over to our second guest today. We are joined by Noor Al-Nahas, who is the CEO and Chief of Dreaming Stuff Up at Nibble. Hello, yeah. Noor. Hi, good morning, Ami. How are you? Good, great. Good, thanks. good. I'm very happy to have both of you here today. And I feel like this is going to be an awesome chat about probably something that maybe people wouldn't necessarily put together as two things. So yeah. before we start on anything, I'd love to ask you, Giuseppe, what does and who is International Humanitarian City? Well, uh, you know, Dubai is uh, extremely well known as a touristic destination, mm -hmm. as a financial uh, place for its iconic buildings, but... Uh, not a lot of people knows that in Dubai, we have the largest humanitarian hub in the world with a community of more than 500 people working together. Approximately 80 different organizations coming from the most popular United Nations agencies passing through international organizations such as the Federation of Red Cross, Red Crescent Society, Doctors Without Borders, Save the Children, and quite a lot of NGOs. But not only humanitarians, but also commercial companies to which we are not just facilitating their own business. No, absolutely they are contributing to the humanitarian community by identifying identifying together with us as humanitarian workers solutions for the challenges that we may have in the field. Mm -hmm. Now, this is the International Humanitarian City Community is the only non-profit free zone here in Dubai. Mm -hmm. And of course, this is something that is coming from uh, Dubai as per se. This is uh, a big idea of the ruler of Dubai, Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid al -Matum who in 2003 founded the International Humanitarian City. Mm -hmm. And how long have you been there for? Well, uh, honestly speaking, uh, I'm into this job from approximately 37 years. Wow. However, I used to work for the United Nations in the past. Okay. And uh, in 2016, I have been requested to provide a few months of support to IHC 
my few months to be in Tanzania because I it was like supposed that. to to stay for three years, for three months, but now already passed approximately six years. I think you missed the extra number after the three. There, <laughs> yes, there, there exactly. was an asterisk, yeah. and it's the Middle East charm, right? Once yes. you're in, that's it. We've got you. Yeah, that's just the. Anyway, uh, you know, this is a job that I love uh, in particular. This is the job that uh, I'm doing really since a lot of time in different areas from the health sector and now more or less fully dedicated to the emergency preparedness and response, which is extremely important, especially the component of the preparedness no way that you can respond to an emergency unless you are well prepared. And no doubt that you cannot respond to an emergency alone, but you need to work together with the others. That is the, otherwise it's going to become a mission impossible. So that is the reason why a so large community is voted to the emergency preparedness and response. Sounds like a big job. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes, it's a big job, but it's a big challenge. Yeah. Great. Okay. And now I'd like to ask Noor, because there is a partnership between Nibble and the International Humanitarian City. So that's why we're here today. We're discussing as well how to work with government entities, with collaborating. So I'd like to ask you the involvement that you have with the International Humanitarian City and probably something that people might not know about, right? Yeah. Um, You know... It's really, it's funny how things happen. I believe in not luck, but just the flow of things happening, right? And uh, I was invited to speak at Expo 2020 at the Dubai Cares Pavilion to talk about what we did with Dubai Smart Dubai Government. Mm -hmm. And Giuseppe was also in that session. And I got there early. He was there early. So we were sitting in the speaker's room. And I think we had a five-minute conversation, literally, before that, we started. That's all that it took. Because, yeah, we immediately, he said, I see what is it, or we're doing this AI. He said, data bank. I said, I'm sold. Uh, but the reality is, um, you know, we've talked about how core it is for us at Nibble, for, for myself, for all their leadership team. Everybody at Nibble uh, is at Nibble because of impact, whether mm-hmm. it's internally, but also most and more importantly, externally, how yeah. we can impact the world with our tech. And as much as you may have the want and drive to do it, sometimes the bureaucracy and the challenges of doing it are so daunting. Yeah. And it's difficult to always find an opportunity. And mm-hmm. when we had this conversation and I heard about uh, Giuseppe's initiative for a global humanitarian data bank, I told them uh, we need to help, we need to support, we need to be part of yeah. this. And that sparked the conversation. And, you know, we very quickly had the discussion right after that. And I think it was clear within the first meeting what we were going to do. We got this entire incredible idea uh, how we're going to go step by step to be able to use AI and uh, inf- the IHC's infrastructure and, yep. and everything they've done to bring about impact to humanitarian relief. So uh, our it's a partnership. Uh, where we are going through three stages. Mm-hmm. The first was to for our team to analyze uh, IHC's data and their data bank and give them some insight. And we started with that. We got some really cool 
uh, insights out. Like we came up with the humanitarian relief impact index. Uh, mm -hmm. We came about with how to manage stock, but that was just the exploratory phase. The second phase, and this is like the teach a man to fish, you feed him for, for life, mm -hmm. where we talked about now we're training IHC's team to use our machine learning algorithm. Okay. And that's the whole purpose of Nubilla. Our machine learning algorithm is so that the experts in what they do, they're the experts in humanitarian relief. We're not. So they know the information. And if they're able to use a tool for machine learning, then they can get the most impact out. So the next stage now, which we're in, is training them to use the tool, deploy it for them. And then phase three is to take it to the next level where together with our AI and their data bank, we create a global humanitarian relief AI platform. So this is the first step. So it sounds uh, like a very big first step. Yeah. It's a very big first step. Let me say that, you know, usually one of the exercises that we used to do within the humanitarian community when uh, we have some, uh, let me say, conferences is the typical example. If you are entering into an elevator and you are going to, to get in front of you the big, let me say, head of any company, mm -hmm. take the opportunity. Yeah. You have just three minutes. I believe that the elevator pitch. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look what, what happened within five usually, minutes, right? Usually, we used to refer to Bill Gates. Yeah. But for me, my Bill Gates is new. Oh, <laughs> for the moment, in this there we go. That's, that's the compliment of a lifetime, yeah, absolutely, right? Absolutely. Yeah. No, because really, it was uh, so fast in understanding each other, mm. on, uh, especially from his side on our need for me. Uh, considering that I'm an old person to talk about artificial intelligence. Like, not a, at all. Something. But anyway, uh, that was really uh, impressive. Without forgetting also another aspect, that here we are coming out from the COVID-19 pandemic, mm -hmm. where the international humanitarian seat did a, a strategic job worldwide yeah. with... Uh, 1,500 dispatches in, uh, in a year, dispatching into 125 countries and so on and so on. And uh, what we noted is that uh, step by step, uh, the private sector was knocking my door asking, how can we help the humanitarian community okay. in doing that job? And this is something that is extraordinary because uh, if it's true that from one side we are a government entity, mm -hmm. uh, Noor was explaining that uh, we need, first of all, to connect ourselves with mm. other humanitarian apps which are placed worldwide. Yeah. And those humanitarian apps are hosted by other governments and considering that our humanitarian logistics data bank, instead of to be, let me say, based on warehouse management system, this is a language that into JITEX they know very well, yeah. <laughs> is based on uh, customs transactions. So mm. means that we involved directly the customs. Yeah. The customs of Dubai first, because this is the largest humanitarian hub in the world, then we started in involving the customs of Italy because is there another humanitarian hub, the customs of Panama because there is another humanitarian hub, and step by step now we are dealing with the customs of Jordan, 
And our dream is to bring together the 10 countries because uh, customs are part of the countries mm -hmm. and to get the 10 countries connected among themselves and starting dealing how they can support the humanitarian community with the support of the private sector. And here the best example is exactly Nibble, is the fact that uh, our, let's say, data can be started in look with uh, different areas. Yeah. Today, we need to understand which is the best level of stocks that should be seated in Panama mm -hmm. or in Kuala Lumpur or in Australia, in Brisbane, which are the type of goods that should be seated there, which is the rotation of those line items, which is the carbon emission that we are using in order to move uh, from A to B. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. end of the day, the reason why you have all of those humanitarian apps worldwide is because we intend to, to respond quickly, fast, yeah. using less carbon emission as possible, yeah. adopting, let me say, a, a financial mechanism which is going to spend less money, yes. but assisting and saving lives. In the best yeah. way. That is the... the, the, the to get cost-benefit operation in the best way. Yeah. If you speak with the humanitarians, they are somehow reluctant on the use of the technologies, but I believe that now is time to, to get the best of the technologies. Yeah. And the mm -hmm. artificial intelligence, in my opinion, is going to be a tremendous tool that can support us in the response, but in particular also on the preparedness for the emergencies. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, it sounds like we said, it sounds like a big job. And when I think about how many entities just even here in Dubai, right? And then you're looking outside. So can I ask you, Giuseppe, how many entities are within International Humanitarian City? We are talking about uh, 80 587 okay. uh, different organizations. I can tell you that from the World Health Organization, passing through the World Food Program, the United Nations uh, for the, the Refugees uh, Commissioner, then uh, the UFPA. You know, it's, uh, it's a really, we are talking about 11 UN organizations. Mm -hmm. Then we have uh, another huge number of uh, important and relevant uh, international humanitarian organizations and then we have some government organizations with quite a lot of NGOs. Obvious that many of them are working on, uh, let me say, development. Mm -hmm. Some others are mainly dedicated to emergency preparedness yeah. and response. However, again, let me say, this is going to focus immediately just on the sustainable development goal number 17 partnership. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry for repeating again. Alone, no, 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 we cannot do yeah, nothing. But together. Only, only together we can achieve results. And here, what is extremely important is that, uh, yes, we need to be prepared for responding to the emergencies. But the reason why it exists, this network of humanitarian apps, is because each app has also to support mm -hmm the local communities for preparing themselves yeah. in responding to the emergencies. 
you know, if we are moving humanitarian aid from 3,000 kilometers far after a, a very tough, let's say, emergency, who's going to save immediately lives is the local community. Yeah. The more we are going to prepare them, more lives we are going to save. I give you the example. We had the huge floods in Pakistan mm -hmm. uh, no more than uh, a month ago. In 15 days, we had uh, something like 38 dispatches. Wow. Isaina Sheikh Mohammed made available two C-130s, two aircraft, which were running every day for 15 days. Wow. Plus, uh, uh, the Boeing 747 went uh, into Sudan because also there we had floods. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the Emirates airline, for 15 days, they moved into the passenger aircraft. And you know, the Emirates aircraft, they have a capacity up to 25 tons mm -hmm. in their own bellies for moving uh, cargoes. Well, also from them, we received the huge support. So this is something that uh, is extraordinary. This is something that, come on again, yeah. it's more than 35 years that I'm yeah. doing yeah. this job. And I never did 38 flights free of charge from Dubai to an affected Absolutely. country. Within that time frame, right? It just exactly. takes it to a whole new level. And, so, I, and this is why I think I started at the beginning by saying people wouldn't know what's happening right here in Dubai. Exactly. This is an expression of generosity. Mm -hmm. This yes. is an expression of humanity. Mm -hmm. yeah. This is an expression how, let me say, in this, this country, is really spreading and spreading humanity worldwide. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, without forgetting the father of United Arab Emirates, Sheikh Zayed, I believe that left a legacy on which. Yeah. And, and this is something that it's really particular. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are extremely happy. For me, it's a huge honor to, to be part of uh, this country and to be, let's say, running and uh, to run the, the, the international humanitarian city. Sounds like a very blessed job to have to be able to do that. And one question oh, I'd yes. actually like to ask is when you're obviously working together with so many people like this and you said about interconnectedness, do you feel when you're doing these things, it's spreading more as well as you go out? So think about it, you know, you're saying as because you're being so generous, it's encouraging others because you now you're all connected by the technology. So I'd like to kind of ask you about that and then we'll come to you, Nora, about how the technology works within yeah. itself. So being connected. So for example, let's use Jordan. You're connecting with the Jordan's customs and you're becoming each cut like custom you're becoming connected to. Yeah. It changes the way the network works. And what's it's that done? It's going to change radically. Yeah. It's going to change radically because first of all, uh, the governments are not becoming any more passive donors. Yeah. They are, let's say, part of yeah. the humanitarian action, and this is extremely important to be part of the humanitarian action, to be an active and not a passive donor. Secondly, we can discuss all together as a government how we can support the humanitarian community. But third, which is the most important part, bringing technologies into the humanitarian theater mm -hmm. means to optimize 
the financial resources that we have available. More and more is becoming a huge issue, the financial component. Mm -hmm. Let's just be clear, we are coming out from two years of uh, pandemic situation. Now, with the Ukrainian crisis, it's not going to be better Mm -hmm. unless we are going to get in the hope to be in a peaceful uh, situation. But otherwise, let's say that the risk is to reduce drastically the financial resources made available mm-hmm. to the humanitarian community. Today, good luck is the private sector who's uh, somehow covering this gap that has been created. So this is something extremely important. But let's mention that also in Dubai, we involved the universities, the, the, the academic institutions, not only the private sector, and together with them, uh, if from one side we can get, let's say, the best of the technologies mm-hmm. helping us, from the other side we need to be also well prepared in terms of knowledge. Another figure, a few years ago we used to manage it to see four million dollars of health stocks. Mm-hmm. Today we are in 60, 70 million dollars, wow. which represents wow. approximately the 50% of the total stocks. This is going to require, honestly speaking, a good preparation of the staff. And this is where we need exactly the academic institutions. Yeah. So we created this ecosystem mm. within IFC thanks to the support of the private sector, of the academia the which leads me perfectly to you, Noor. So talk... No, I love hearing you speak. I love hearing him speak as well, so we're happy to let him speak. (laughs) So tell me about some of the technologies that go into these kind of plans, because, I mean, they sound like it would be a lot, right? And you're obviously going into new different governments, and we we know there can be some resistance to change as well. You know, uh, I think that's the, the mystery of AI. Everybody seems to think it's so complicated. But the reality is the number one challenge in AI is getting the data. And what was so exciting and the most impressive part is that the second uh, Giuseppe told me we have a humanitarian logistics data bank, I thought, okay, that's a nightmare. Uh, you have 80... <laughs> you felt that immediately. <laughs> yeah, because I know. You have you tell you, 87 different organizations, each calling this bottle a different name, each calling the cap a different thing. Okay. But what was so impressive and the that I was really excited about was the analytical visionary thinking to say, well, let's go to the root, mm-hmm. right? To the source, customs. Every one of those... <laughs> Companies have to go through customs. So we yeah. make customs, make them. And that was genius. So as soon yeah. as I was like, whoa, okay, now you had my, was that? You had my attention. Now you have my interest. Uh, um, so really they've solved 90% of the problem. 
because nine you know in anything in ai it's mm-hmm. all about data yep so it's either the training data or the data you're applying your algorithms to mm-hmm. and we say trash in trash out so if you spend all your time and effort and money in data it that's very costly and that's the most costly part of ai with their uh logistics data bank they've already structured organized uh synchronized single source of truth of data so it's like uh, a kid in a candy shop you're giving everything ready so really what we're doing is we're looking at how to use the historical data mm-hmm. to optimize to learn and then to become proactive and not reactive and you know just covered a couple of things talked about uh, optimization of um the emissions mm-hmm. talked about how to respond so let's take an example yeah. uh, we just talked about the sudan flood and that's really interesting because the case we used was the sudan flood when we tested so when we got the original data our team went through and uh, built an algorithm to predict the event and and one of them was a flood in sudan mm-hmm. okay and so that in the last we said in the last Three years, there's been a flood in Sudan in October or November. Okay. It's exactly that, October or November. Can I, I ask about the date? Yes, we have a presentation dated, uh, I think, early this year, March. Okay, and uh, you, you predicted the we date? We said that it would happen in October. Does that November. not feel a bit freaky sometimes when you predict? Well, I mean, obviously, I know it's great that technology but does it, let's, but, but it's a good thing. It's so simple, honestly. Yeah. Every last three years we've had. But okay. here's what was the, the, the part of it is... Um, AI is that simple, mm-hmm. really. But what's the challenging part? Is the manpower, if you wanted to do this manually, Fine. how much effort and time would it need and people to go through? Well, yeah. An algorithm did this for us. Now, what was cool about it is we said, hey, here's what you could do. Mm-hmm. You know that every October or November, actually specifically, I think it was October, I don't remember, there's a flood in Sudan. And every time you're reacting and shipping and now shipping costs are expensive. So mm-hmm. you need, if you don't get gen- incredible generous donations like you're getting from the from His Highness Sheikh Mohammed in, in Dubai or Emirates or any, but if you have to pay for that, that's not cheap cargo, yeah. right? Emissions related to it, uh, the time, Mm-hmm. Right. Every second counts in this. So is it? Yeah. Well, you know that. Why not find the most efficient, you know, find, you know, tell Emirates, when do you have free cargo we can get uh, before October 2022 mm-hmm. so we can send this aid package to Sudan and then keep it in Sudan so that as soon as it happens, it's already it's there. already ready. And that was so that's the idea is so go from analysis to build cases and then to be proactive and yeah. even to say, well, also to we want we wanted to we want to go a step further which is okay for this level of event you need x package for x number of people Mm -hmm. and if we tie in weather forecasting and the ton of intelligence which we don't do but other people do we can you can get really good data on the level of events so like they tell you how many level five hurricanes will be right so then we can say by the way ihc in uh, sudan or the af in africa we expect six level five typhoons that'll impact x number of people Mm -hmm. this x number of people based on your history and your performance needs all of this material you're short or you have too much here move it to be able to respond for pakistan or move it to be able to respond that's the goal 
Yeah. So you're what and you get more impact from existing. So like we, we say it in the business world, higher return of investment on your existing investment. Yeah. It's more impact on what they're already doing. All yeah. we're doing is giving them the tools to help them be who they are more efficiently because they're they're already doing an amazing job. Mm-hmm. We're just giving them everything to help them function better. Be proactive, not reactive. Yeah. And I guess like let's continue using the Sudan floods as an example. Mm. So was there any wastage because it had already been preempted? Like when you look uh, at we didn't your... do it. Oh, no. you didn't that was do... the okay. exercise and okay. the learning. Oh, so it was the learning. Yeah, okay, but that fine. was the case and uh, So it's like a case study, so you yes, do this. Absolutely. So now we can go back and say we okay. did this case study, here's what we thought. Then people will say, Wow, okay, let's try to let's try it and prepare. And that was that's the goal. Okay. And that's the biggest challenge of AI. Yeah. People are skeptical. Yes. And actually, uh, one of the things we always try to do is build case studies so that you can show, I know you're okay. skeptical, read this. Okay. And because people say, well, how do you know? How is it going to predict? How do yeah. you know? And the only thing is to believe is to see it happen. And yeah. that's that, that we, we talked about it with Khalid yesterday, the quote, any sufficiently advanced technology is indiscriminable from, from magic. Mm-hmm. And that's what people think, well, this is black magic. Yeah. You know? But <laughs> really, it's... it's it's just fancy math. But I guess the saying is the proof is in the pudding, yes, right? So yes. Nor gives you this case study and you take it back to IHC and they're all like, wow, okay, this actually works. So does that remove the skepticism then and everyone's on the same page? But, you know, uh, the reluctance in my opinion that uh, should be somehow fight with uh, facts and uh, as of today, what I know is that uh, we have uh, risks. You were talking about losses. Mm-hmm. Well, today we have a huge risk of losses because if I'm going to get into Panama or into Accra in Ghana, a huge level of medical stocks, and I'm not going to use them, this is something that is going to be a huge loss. Yeah. Because they Medicines, medical supplies yeah. are usually a huge value. The same is for the food. You know, in emergency response, food uh, is something that is uh, more known as meals ready to eat. The fact that we are not using meals ready to eat, but we are using biscuits or special food for mother and children. And again, we are talking about very expensive food. If we are not going to preposition the right stock levels, yeah. we risk to get mm-hmm. huge losses. So, this is something that nobody can argue. For a certain period, people used to say, okay, we have to adopt the no regret approach. Mm-hmm. I may risk to lose millions of dollars of stocks, but I'm always ready for to respond, which is uh, relatively true. Because again, if we start looking all the lessons learned from the COVID-19 pandemic, do not forget that the 90% more or less of the humanitarian aid are manufactured in Southeast Asia. Yeah. And uh, maybe China Mm. China was the first affected country. Yeah. And it was not able anymore to produce for the other countries. 
And the other countries discovered that they were not able even to get a mask. Yeah. They were not able to get, let me say, the most simple medical line items. Yeah. This is something that is going to be taken into consideration for the future and tried to, instead of to transfer or to wait uh, the movement from China into the Latin Americas, into mm-hmm. West Africa and so on, or into Europe, to start in producing locally. Yeah. This is something that we cannot avoid anymore. Uh, it, it's not an issue of uh, cost optimization. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we are going back to the previous uh, scenario where it was sufficient the situation uh, in China with the COVID and uh, all the world was totally blocked. Yeah. And uh, once I started in looking at the data, the data were telling me that uh, the humanitarian community was not absolutely ready for responding to a pandemic situation. It was just ready for responding to an epidemic Mm. situation in a small area. Mm. And this is something that for me is uh, in a borderline uh, of uh, accepting this kind of situation because uh, Ebola didn't happen in the last century. Ebola was a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. The avian flu and so on, those are epidemic situation which happened quite recently. Why we didn't have enough uh, yeah. in order to respond at least to the first wave. This is something that we have to reflect on it. And all of those lessons learned for me should be enough uh, for convincing the colleague to be less reluctant and to get uh, the support from the technologies and simultaneously, why not again from the academic institutions? I believe that this is one of the best combinations that we can get. Good luck, we have it in Dubai. And yeah, exactly. Is. Bring it out to the rest of the world. Exactly. Absolutely. Okay, well, we're almost done, so thank you very much. But I'd like to ask you both one final question. Mm. So I'll come to you, Noor. If I'm a listener right now and I'm thinking to myself, okay, how can I think better about technology and embracing it and thinking to myself, you know what, it does so much good in the world. What's the one thing you would do to change their mind? To change their mind? to, to, to Yeah, as if they don't. Sorry, let me ask the question again. <laughs> Thank you. Um, if I'm a listener right now and I'm thinking to myself, this technology can't be that good. Yeah. It's it's not for me, I don't think, but we, we're sitting here right now talking about how much it can do for the humanitarian crisis. What would you say to change their minds? Uh, last uh, JITEX, I had a, one of my favorite presentations and I had all of the objections mm-hmm. to incredible inventions, okay? Uh, the locomotive, they said it would... Uh, uh, destroy women's uteruses. Wow. Yeah, the locomotive. Uh, they said that the light bulb would be useless and an epic failure and that the personal computer and the internet, would nobody would ever need it. Mm-hmm. Okay? So I just want to say that's traditional response to dramatic change. Mm-hmm. People are afraid. No, we don't want it. And it's the same. Today, AI, AI is going to take my job, take... It's actually going to reskill the world. Mm-hmm. So I would say take a minute to think about how much 
technology and AI already impacts your life today without you knowing it. Your Instagram feed is AI. Mm. The Google searches that are being magically recommended to you is AI. Your phone has more technology in it than the first space shuttle. It has more computing power mm -hmm. than the first ship that took people into outer space. Yeah. So there is no future. There is no life progressing mm -hmm. without technology. What is our responsibility as technology developers? Uh, what is the responsibility of people in government and in leadership is to make sure we use it for good. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a weapon. Yeah. It can be used for bad. Yeah. And actually, we've we made that conscious decision at Nibble. We've been approached many times for defense approaches of our technology that are weaponizations and we always reject and it's very difficult to reject because that's a very lucrative market i mean it's very attractive money-wise we, we are willing to, we work in defense for security for mm -hmm. safety but the problem is people don't look at that as much as profit so i would challenge everyone to think okay what is a daily uh, thing that you see in your daily life or a challenge you see other people are, are doing, I guarantee you there's a way that technology can make it better, make it easier for people with uh, disabilities or challenges, mm -hmm. make it easier to respond and save lives, uh, make it easier to make the world a more connected, safer, happier place. That's our goal. And if anybody doesn't agree, I'm happy for them to, <laughs> to reach out to me and, and, and challenge me and we can- like, we where, can where can they find you, Norm? Uh, everywhere just, just find him everywhere yeah. he's, he's dreaming stuff up as exactly. we know right exactly <laughs> thank you so much for thank that. you Gary. and giuseppe for the final question if there was one thing that you would love people to know about international humanitarian city what would it be just one thing the, what uh, i hate represent what the hits you represent uh, for the world yep what heads you represent uh, for uh, our beneficiaries mm -hmm. of our humanitarian action. What uh, IHC express again, I started in clearly saying Dubai is well known for many other things. Mm -hmm. yeah. Let's just get to Dubai known for this, for for this, this no. because it's spreading humanity yeah. very well. Yeah. And this is something that is uh, part of the Arabic tradition. Mm -hmm. It's part of the, let's say, the culture yeah. of this country. It's uh, coming from the leadership of mm -hmm. this country. And uh, honestly speaking, I can give you thousands of examples where uh, in Europe, Europe, or in, Europe or in, uh, in the United States, where uh, you can get huge donations, but all of those huge donations in kind are accompanied by a reduction in the taxes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is something that here is coming. Let's <laughs> uh, say, uh, I'd like to find a, a very diplomatic, let's uh, say, wording. <laughs> Maybe I'm uh, perceiving the, the donation from the arts. It's true also in the other countries coming from there, but I would like to avoid to get uh, misinterpretation mm -hmm. of my contribution. Again, 
it's in the best description of the humanity. Yeah. And I think for everybody listening right now, if there's one thing you do today, just go and Google International Humanitarian yes. City. If you're in Dubai, if you're not in Dubai, just go and Google it and see because... I feel I've got goosebumps sitting yeah. here. So it's an amazing thing that you're doing. And thank you so much for joining us today. I'd say Giuseppe. Google, follow, retweet, yes. do re all of it. Do everything. so people and know about the international Educate other people, right? Yes. Go and have a conversation. Can they come and visit Giuseppe? Of course, everybody. The, the, the doors are open. Okay, there we go. The doors are open. We're coming. We <laughs> Get ready for us. We used to receive thousands of students. We used to receive any visitors. So it would be a pleasure for us to to host so yeah yes. well thank you very much both of you for your time thank today you. i really thank appreciate you. it thank you giuseppe thank you thank you thank you giuseppe. and thank you everyone for joining the nibble voices podcast today you can subscribe to us on all podcast platforms that's it for now thank you thank you, you.